Bibles this morning. Turn with me to Acts chapter number 13. Acts chapter number 13. And uh, if you haven't had a chance, meet this uh, wonderful young couple sitting here. They are from the Ho-Ho Pastors Church. Anybody know who the Ho-Ho Pastor is? Pastor Humbert, the handlebar preacher. And uh, they're actually leaving here after the service to go see Pastor and Mrs. Humbert. And so if you want to say hi to Pastor Humbert through them, you can catch them on the way out and uh, maybe, maybe tell them something that I'm sure he, uh, I have him scheduled for uh, two times in the, in the coming year. And he, he, he texted me the other day and said, I just want to make sure you understand you have me scheduled twice. I don't know if your church can handle that. And I, I, I said, I think we're good. I think we're good. But uh, we love Pastor Humbert. He's a, he is a special blessing to our church. And I know that uh, he's going to be a blessing when he comes, and it's good to have them with us this morning. But I, as we think about missions, of course, we've been having this conference, and even before the conference, we were laying a lot of groundwork because it's hard to just pack everything in to uh, just a few short days. And so as a pastor, God's been kind of giving me some direction. But this morning, I want to, in the Bible, go back uh, to what the scriptures have to say regarding the first missionaries that were sent out of a church, how missions all began, because I'm a firm believer that when we do things, we should want to do God's work in God's way, amen? And the, uh, I love what Hudson Taylor said years ago, God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. God will always provide. We heard one of our missionaries share about how God's been supplying and providing for them and I really believe the same is true for you that as you give by faith to missions God will supply your every need that's a promise from the word of God now listen we don't give to get but we know God takes care of his children how many of you could say amen to that God takes care of his children and so having missionaries and taking offer offerings for missionaries and sending missionaries isn't just something that someone came up with. It's not new to me. It's actually something we see in the Word of God. And that's what I want to do this morning. I tell people when I talk to them, when they call here to the church, when I'm out in the community, we really are a Bible-believing church. Uh, I love the name of our church, Bible Baptist Church. Couldn't put it any easier than what the name of our church is, is that we love the Word of God and we love how the Bible instructs us. And when it comes to missions, listen, we could say, well, we do it this way because we like this, we like that. But what does the Bible have to say about missions? How is missions supposed to work? Because I don't know about you, I want our church, the actions of our church, to be after the pattern of the New Testament church. And as we think about this this morning, I want you to stand with me if you have the Word of God there in Acts chapter 13, if you're able to. Because I really believe that the New Testament church has a real mission. God's given to us a real mission. And I want you to see in Acts 13, beginning in verse number 1. The Bible says, now there were in the church. Say those three words. There were in the there were where? In the, in the church. That was at where? Antioch. Antioch certain prophets and teachers... As Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene and Menaean, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, 
separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And let's pray. Lord, thank you for the pattern of New Testament missions. I pray that you'd help us as Christians. Lord, no doubt, those that are here, those that are watching by way of live stream, those that may be visiting with us today, may not really understand missions. Why have it? Uh, how do we uh, put it together? And why do we do things the way we do? And this morning, we're just going to look at what the Bible has to say. And Lord, we want to pattern our church and missions after what the Bible, what you have to say. And Lord, help us to see it clearly. And the only way that'll happen is that the Holy Spirit of God will have freedom and liberty to work in our hearts. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Thank you for standing for the reading of the Word of God. Now, I'm not going to necessarily ask you to, but if you want to, how many of you know that book in your Bible, in the back of your Bible, called the Book of Maps? <laughs> right? A lot of you, and you, maybe you want to go back to the back of your Bible, you'll see a map like you see on the screen where uh, oftentimes you can see that Paul, who in this passage was known as Saul, that he not only had one journey as a missionary, but he took many journeys as a missionary, did a lot of great work for God. Uh, you, I think about the, the Matthews, and I think about the Zarellas, and I think about Lynette, where they're going to Vietnam, South Africa, and Japan. Now, they may go there, and they may stay there the rest of their lives. But God may send them there, and then God may choose later on to send them somewhere else. Notice here how Paul traveled. He left Antioch in our passage in Acts 13. And notice some of the places in this first journey that he took some of the cities. Now understand that just like a church is not a building, it's the people. That when Paul went to cities, it wasn't the city, it was the people that lived in those cities. So we're talking about people's lives. We're talking about real people. We're talking about the souls of men and women that are going to spend eternity somewhere. And according to the Word of God, there's only two places. As a kid, when I was growing up, I was told there were three. But that third place I could never find in the Bible. The Bible only gives heaven where God is and a place called hell for all those who reject the gift of God, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Now God's heart is, he's not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. God wants everyone to be saved. So as we think about this matter of the early church, how we understand from the beginning, and Brother Kenny used the verse this morning, not really knowing that the direction of the message, how God so loved the world. Doesn't specify one race of people. Doesn't specify one country, one party. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. There's not a greater gift that could have been given than the Lord Jesus Christ. God's only, excuse me, modern Bibles, His only begotten Son. I like the Bible. 
I like to preach the Bible. People today are messing with God's word. The Bible says God gave his only begotten son that whosoever, that's everyone, whosoever, people in Vietnam, people in Japan, people in South Africa, you know Jonah struggled to go to Nineveh. God, you don't understand the Ninevites. These people are wicked. Can I tell you that we're all wicked? All have sinned. When I think about how God sent his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in a church creed, whosoever believeth in their good works, whosoever believeth because their grandpa was a Baptist preacher, or their name's on a roll in some church. No, the Bible's clear. Whosoever believeth in him, who's the him? God's only begotten son, Jesus. Jesus was God in the flesh. And the Bible says that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. Rescue the perishing. Care for the dying. Jesus is merciful. Jesus will save. You see, I, I love how God says whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have what kind of life? How long is that? You know, I have, I have some dear friends here in our church and they, they, they like to key in on certain things that pastor says. And they, they took a, a notice a while back. I'm going to just kind of out myself here. They, they laugh about it. A lot of times I, I have to not look back at, at them whenever I use words like ever and never. Those are pastor's buzzwords. And, and a lot of times I'll say uh, never or you'll never perish or everlasting life. See what I just did there? How long is everlasting? Forever. Did you save yourself? Who saved you? God did. And God is not an Indian giver. God's not going to take back the life that he gave to you. He's promised. That's a promise of God. And the Bible says that God was the one that loved the world. Listen, God sent, but Jesus went. Just think about that. In a way, Jesus was a missionary. God sent his son, but aren't you glad Jesus was willing to come? Jesus left the splendors of heaven and came to a sin-cursed world. Boy, he didn't come to much, did he? Came unto his own, and his own received him not. When I study the Word of God, I see in Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man, the Bible says, is come, why? To seek and to save that which was what? You know why the Matthews are going to Vietnam? To seek and to save the lost. You know why the Zarellas are going to Japan? To seek and to save the lost. Do you know why Lynette's going to South Africa? To seek and to save the lost. Now don't get me wrong. They can't save anyone. But as they share the good news that Jesus loved them and that he died for their sins, they can come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Why missions? Why love the world? Because God loved the world. And what does God tell us as a church here in this 2020 that we're living in? John 20 and verse 21, the Bible says, Then said Jesus to them again. This wasn't the first time. He says, peace be unto you as my Father has sent me. God sent his Son. 
They call in Jesus. Jesus said, my father sent me and I'm sending you. Just think about that. He says, look, I, I've got what we call a commission for you. This one time here in Mark's gospel, it is they claim one of five times. Now, every one of the five times, it's not worded exactly the same. You see it in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. You see even in the book of Acts, where the Bible t- tells us that we shall be witnesses unto him in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. God says, I, I want you to carry on the work that my son began. Jesus came so that we might have eternal life. And Jesus then said to us, the New Testament church, as my father has sent me, even so, or just like that, we as the church. Now listen, sending missionaries and reaching the world, that's a, a daunting task. Reaching this world with the gospel of Christ, how can we do that? How in the world can we as Bible Baptist Church reach the world with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this morning I want you to look at with me from Acts chapter number 13, look at God's plan for worldwide evangelization. God has a plan. Aren't you glad that God has a plan? You know, this is something that God knew and God has put together God's plans. They're wonderful. I love when God has a plan. By the way, God has a plan for your life. I mean, if you would have asked uh, the, the Matthew family, and if you would have asked the Zarella family, and asked Lynette Osborne maybe two, three, four years ago, hey, did you ever think you're going to be going to Vietnam? Did you ever think you're going to be going to Japan? I mean, I never thought I'd be in Florida. God sent me to the mission field, South Florida. I'm telling you what, this is a mission field. And when I look at the Word of God and I see here in Acts chapter 13, I see that he gives the context of missions. He gives the beginning of missions right here in the Word of God. Now look, don't get me wrong when I say this, but a lot of times people think that missions is something that has been conjured up maybe by some parachurch organization, something outside of the church. Uh, we, we, We talk a lot about missions boards and missions agencies and these missionaries they have joined themselves up with a mission board or a mission agency listen those mission agencies are there to help them to assist them in the process of of raising support and traveling on deputation and uh, some of the legal matters and and getting visas and all these types of things but there is nothing that will ever replace the church You see, the context of missions, as we see here, was a local church. The Bible says again in verse number one, now there were in the church that was in Antioch. I love the church. Do you love the church this morning? You know why I love the church? Because Jesus loved the church and he gave himself for it. This isn't my church. This isn't your church. This is the Lord's work and I believe it's marvelous in his eyes. As we think about this context of missions, it was in the local church. And again, what is a church? It's a group of people, believers, they have a common faith, they have a common purpose, and that purpose is that you and I, as the church, would be obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
as we look in Acts 13 this morning, what church are we making reference to? We're not talking about the church in Jerusalem. Although God did much with the church in Jerusalem, but this morning our focus in the Word of God is on the church in Antioch. You saw that map, maybe you look back at the book of maps in your Bible, and you saw Antioch where Paul and, and, and Barnabas were sent out from that church. And look, this church in Antioch was a church, according to the Word of God, that was established by believers that were scattered from Jerusalem. You say, Pastor, why were they scattered? Well, if you have your Bible there open, turn back a few chapters with me. Go back to chapter number 8, and I want you to see this. Now, uh, we don't have the time, but if you go even further back to chapter 6 and 7, you find the account of one of the men of God that, by the name of Stephen, who was living for God, being a witness for God in his day, and Stephen came under great persecution. And the Bible says at the end of chapter number 7, it says that they, carried, they uh, then cried they, in verse number 57, they cried out with a loud voice. These are the opposers. By the way, they weren't opposing Stephen. They were opposing the work of God. They were opposing the message of salvation to a lost and dying world. And the Bible says, behold, in verse number uh, 57, they cried out with a loud voice. They stopped their ears and they ran upon him with one accord and they cast him out of the city and they stoned him. Stephen became the first martyr. The Bible says they stoned him. But look at this, the witnesses, those that watched this atrocity, they laid down their clothes at a young man's feet. You never know who's there. You never know how God will use an event to touch the heart or life of someone else. This young man was literally holding the clothes and the Bible identifies his name as Saul. The Bible says in verse 59, they stoned Stephen. Now notice it says here, calling upon God. The ones stoning Stephen weren't the ones calling upon God. That was Stephen in his time of need, calling upon God. And notice what he says. Boy, in such a Christ-like manner, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. The Bible says that Stephen, he kneeled down, he cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, I love these three words, say them with me, he, he fell asleep. See, for the saints, death is precious. He gave his life. For doing what? For telling people the truth. For telling people about Jesus. In the Bible, as you look in the very next verse, the next chapter in our Bible, the Bible brings back this young man. Look at it, verse 1. Saul, the Bible says, was consenting unto his death. He saw this. He saw what Stephen went through. He saw how people opposed him and opposed what he was about, what he had given his life for. The Bible says he was consenting unto his death, and at that time there was a great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem. 
And the Bible says, and they, and of course, they is a reference to all believers in Christ that were in Jerusalem. It says, they were all, all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. So the Bible says, here's this church, this body of believers. They were scattered because of the persecution. And then if you turn with me over to chapter number 11, notice what the Bible says as we pick it up here, talking about these, these Christians. We're talking about missions here. In verse 19 of chapter 11, they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen, they traveled as far as Phoenice and Cyprus and where? And Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. Do you know what happened? Something strange happened in Antioch. The Bible tells us that Jews and Gentiles were starting to get saved. Now, would that have happened if God's people would have stayed in Jerusalem? Probably not. But because God sent them to Antioch, because God's sending the Matthews, because God's sending the Zarellas and sending Lynette, there are people that have not heard but will hear because God sent them. At Antioch, people were being saved, Jews and Gentiles. Look in Acts chapter 11 in verse number uh, 22, what the Bible says here. It says, then tidings of these things. What things? People were being saved. Jews and Gentiles, everyone is being saved in Antioch. And it came under the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem. Word got back. You know, they didn't have Twitter. They didn't have texting. No cell phones. Word traveled. The Bible says the church of Jerusalem heard and they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far, here it is again, as Antioch. So the church of Jerusalem sent Barnabas to Antioch to see what was going on. Look at verse 23 of Acts 11. Who, talking about Barnabas, when he came to Antioch, he had seen the grace of God. Think about that. I wonder what the grace of God looks like. I'll tell you what it looks like. It looks like people getting saved. Lives being changed. The Bible says that when he saw the grace of God, he was glad. He exhorted them all that with purpose of heart that they would cleave unto the Lord, unto the one that saved them from their sins. See, Barnabas saw the grace of God. This was a local church, the church in Antioch. It was the context of missions was it was in the church that was at Antioch. Not only was it a local church, it was a loving church. I tell people all the time, I love Bible Baptist Church because it's one of the most loving churches I've ever been a part of. One of the hardest things for our church through this whole COVID mess is that people can't go around hugging one another. I see our members all the time start to walk up and they're like, Like, I wish I could, but I can't. The Bible says that this was a loving church, the church in Antioch. Look at chapter 13, as the Bible says in verse number 1. Now, there were in the church that was at Antioch, 
certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon, which was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene and Menaean, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. The Bible tells us that if you go back in the church in Jerusalem, Acts chapter number 2, the Bible talks about what was going on in the church in Jerusalem. Look what it says there in your notes, how the Bible says of the church of Jerusalem, they were continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, did eat with their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added unto the church daily such as should be saved. God was adding to the church Look, the preacher doesn't add and the church doesn't add. God adds. God's the one that gives the increase. And all of this was going on. What a wonderful spirit there was in the church of Jerusalem. When you come to chapter 13, guess what you find? That same spirit that was in the church in Jerusalem is at the church in Antioch. The very same spirit there. Just like Jerusalem, it was made of people from all different backgrounds. That list that we read there in verse number 1 describes people that were Oriental, people that were African, people of various backgrounds. And I tell people all the time, hey, listen, you need to come to our church because I really believe that our church is a good picture of what heaven's going to be like someday. We have people from all walks of life. I love how multicultural our church is. Hey, listen, we don't look at the color of someone's skin and say, you're welcome or you're not welcome here. God loves everyone. Remember, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, right? He loved the world. God loves everyone. And here this church in Antioch had that very same spirit like the church in Jerusalem. They had it, listen, as we read there in chapter 2, the Bible says they were with one accord. They were, had gladness and singleness of heart. You know what the church in Antioch had? They actually had a commonality that they shared. And that commonality that they shared in Antioch was not their culture, it was Christ. That was, that's what brought them together. I think about us today. Listen, we all have our own things we like and dislike. I mean, there are things my wife doesn't like that I like, and vice versa. But as much as I love my wife, you know what keeps us together? The Lord. You have differences that I do. But guess what? We all come together in Christ. That's what was happening in the church in Antioch. Look in Acts 11 and verse 26, how the Bible says that of Barnabas, when he came, when he had found him, and the him there in that verse is reference to Saul. Notice Barnabas brought him unto Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. Now think about this. That's why, again, I, I get it because of the COVID. I, I get that people are trying to be cautious. But, but the Bible tells us to forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. And the Bible says right here, look, many of them in their day, they didn't have COVID. They, they had the Apostle Paul. They had Saul. He was their COVID. You know, and they thought, we know about this guy. We've heard. I mean, word is spread about this guy, how he's been taking men and women out of their houses that believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and throwing them in prison and even taking their lives because they believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, listen, maybe back then they were wearing their mask. Stay away from me, Paul. And isn't it wonderful that 
There was a Christian brother by the name of Barnabas, the son of consolation, who says, hey, look, come on, come with me. You know, there may be somebody out there that doesn't know Christ, but God could allow you to be a Barnabas to them, to bring them. That's, by the way, Simon, who is Peter, guess how he came to Christ? His brother Andrew went and got him. Says, hey, listen, Peter, you need to meet this guy. He's unlike anyone else I ever met. He changed my life. So you and I that know Christ, that are a part of the church, the work of God, God can use us. God had Barnabas go and get Saul, and notice he brought him unto Antioch. He brings him to this church in Antioch, and the Bible says that it came to pass that a whole year, they, they weren't just there a weekend. They had a missions conference for a whole year. The Bible says they were there assembling themselves with the church, and they taught much people. And look at the last verse here, at the end of verse 26. And the disciples, the believers, the followers of Christ, they were first called what in Antioch? Christians. To be just like Christ. Little Christ. These people in Antioch, they had trusted Christ. And you know what you see them doing here in Antioch? They were loving people from all backgrounds. Loving everyone why? Because as we sang this morning, that he loved us before we ever loved him. God loves us. And my prayer through this missions conference is that Bible Baptist Church's response to missions will be a loving response. We love everyone. God loves everyone. And everyone needs to know the Lord. See, this was a local church. This was a loving church that was loving the law, supporting missions. Look, when we think about supporting missions, what is it? It's Christ-like. It's the heart of God. This was a local church. It was a loving church. That's the context of missions. But notice the calling of missionaries. I mean, we've heard from our missionaries that are here with us about how God began to work in their heart and God began to call them. But notice again in verse number 1 of chapter 13, the Bible says there were in the church. How did these people that were in the church get called to go to the fields like the Matthews and the Zarellas and, and Lynette? And look, they have told us that God is sending them to the field that God has called them to. But when you think about the calling of missionaries, when we look at this passage, here's what we find is that the calling of missionaries happened in a sanctified time. Now, the word sanctified means to be set apart for a sacred use. I can only imagine in each one of these three churches that our missionaries that are with us for this conference, I can see the scene where it was the last time that the church met and they were a part of it and they had the commissioning the sending forth of these missionaries to go to the field. That's what happened here. It happened in a sanctified time. The church, the Bible says here, was gathered together. What were they doing? They were worshiping the Lord. They were worshiping God. Well, how do we do that? How do we worship the Lord? We sing. We sang this morning. It is well with my soul, we sang. Those boys and girls, be a missionary. By the way, I don't blame those boys and girls. Sometimes it's very scary to get up here and look at some of you while you're trying to sing. 
Just a thought. How do we worship the Lord? We sing, we pray, we give. These are all ways that we can worship the Lord. What does worshiping the Lord mean? Worship is about you and I giving our whole heart to God. Every last bit of it. When we sing, look here, open your mouth. You say, Pastor, I can't sing very good. Well, carry a, carry a tune in a bucket then, whatever you need to do. Make a joyful noise. You know, God didn't say it has to be on key. You know, sometimes I, I see people, I, I just don't know about this singing stuff. You know what, I'd rather have somebody sing from the heart to the Lord off key than somebody not sing at all that can sing. Make a joyful noise. Do it with your whole heart. When you sing, when you, when you pray, pray with your whole heart to God. Give with your whole heart to God. Why do we do this? Because Peter said it this way, Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices which are acceptable to God by Christ Jesus. This church in Antioch, it was worshiping the Lord. You know what that meant? This church was in tune with the Lord. That's what I'm praying is when it comes to missions and missions giving, that our church with our whole heart will be worshiping the Lord, will be in tune with the Lord. During this conference, we need to be hearing what God is saying. And God, look, you, you, you read the word of God. God doesn't ask the unsaved to go into all the world with the gospel. God doesn't ask that of the unsaved. He expects his church, Christians. Every child of God should be a witness. You hear me this morning, church? We're asking these missionaries, hey, we'll get behind you. We'll support you. We'll pray for you. We'll support you financially. When's the last time you shared the gospel? When's the last time you carried gospel tracts? When's the last time you said, hey, can I give you some good news? See, we, we shouldn't be asking of the missionaries what we ourselves are not willing to do. There are people right here in South Florida that will perish in their sins unless we go to them. See, God asked Christians. And so when I think about the calling of missionaries, it was a sanctified time. It was what was on the heart of God, but it was also a sacrificial time because look at verse number 2 of chapter 13. Look at these words. As they ministered to the Lord. I mean, here they are. They're worshiping God. The Bible says, while they're ministering to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. Now think about this. These individuals were mentioned as prophets and teachers. Can I just say it this way? They were the preachers and teachers in the church. They were the Sunday school teachers. Uh, maybe, they were, uh, maybe they were filling other roles, but the Bible identifies them as men of God that are sharing the word of God. These weren't people sitting on the sideline. These weren't people being lazy. These weren't people doing nothing for God. The Bible says, as they ministered to the Lord, that the Holy Ghost said, separate me. It was a sacrificial time because God says, look, I want you to have Barnabas and Saul. The Bible says here, I want you to separate me, Barnabas and Saul, while they were worshiping. God says, I want you to sacrifice. I want two of your best. Peter, I think about this passage here and how the Holy, the, the Bible, look at it again in verse number two. 
the Holy Ghost said. There are times in our Bible where you'll see it, the Holy Ghost, sometimes the Holy Spirit, sometimes the word spirit is used. Sometimes people struggle with this. I mean, why? Why? Like right now, God might be speaking to you by His Spirit. Why should we listen to the Spirit? Sometimes Christians hear, but the Bible says, let not just be a hearer of the word, but a doer. See, it goes in this ear and comes out this way. We come to church, God deals with us, but we do absolutely nothing. We don't come to the altar, we don't make any decisions, and we walk out the way we came in. Now again, why should we listen to the Holy Spirit? Well, can I remind you that in the early days when the church was growing and God was saving people, that there were some people in the church that were bringing what they had and they were giving it to uh, the, the apostles, they were laying it at the apostles' feet and they were, they, were, they were distributing to everyone that had need. And you know, when things like that happen, there are always people that are going to look for a, a twist on things. If you look around our church and if you come from a church like this, again, I'm not putting it down and Maybe, maybe you belong to a church like this, but sometimes you go into churches and there's, there's little placards that say uh, somebody's name on it. Now, I've looked. I know a lot of our members, they, they have their coveted seat here in our auditorium. And I've looked around for these little placards that have their name on it. I can't find one. Don't be bringing a Sharpie marker in here right on your chair either. You know, I, I kind of like it, Brother Kenny. We, we, like yesterday, the last two days, we had some stuff and we had tables and we moved the chairs. I like doing that because then if they have a plaque, it's, then they, they can't find their chair when they come in. Now, where's my chair? But there was this couple by the name of Ananias and Sapphira in the book of Acts. They heard about what was going on, and so they got together and they kind of concocted this story. They wanted somebody to notice them. Look what the Bible says here in Acts chapter 5 and verse 3. For Peter said to Ananias, Why hath, look at the word, Satan filled thine heart to lie to who? Holy the Holy Ghost. That's an amazing statement right there, to keep back part of the price of the land. Hey, listen, if they wanted to give, that's great. But they, they said they gave it all, but they, they kept back part of the price. And the Bible says they lied to the Holy Ghost. But look at the very next verse. Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto who? You know what those two verses tell us? That the Holy Spirit is who? God. So why should we listen to the Holy Spirit? Because he's God. And the Holy Spirit deals with us and speaks to us. And the Holy Spirit was asking the church at Antioch to sacrifice Barnabas and Saul for the work, one, work whereunto God had called them. I love that song that the songwriter wrote. Give of your best to the master. I heard years ago, my pastor, he was... Uh, God called, when he was a teenage boy, God called his family, his, his dad, to go to South Korea with the gospel. And he went, and, and he was there, and actually took a liking to the food, and 
has a fond uh, place in his heart for the South Korean people. But his testimony he shared years ago, I never forgot this story, how uh, it came Christmas time in South Korea, and he, was, his, he knew his mom and dad would have some presents for him, but he, there was some presents that came from America. And he couldn't wait to open the presents that came from America. And so it came time to open presents on Christmas Day, and, and his mom and dad was going to give him a present that they had gotten for him, and he says, well, if it's okay with you, I, I'd like to start with the presents from America. And they're like, sure. So they handed him one of the presents, and he opened it up, and it was a shirt, and the label said, made in Korea. <laughs> he said, I pulled that out thinking, what? And he said, as I pulled it out and let it fall and held it like this, he said, right on the front, in the pocket, it had a burn spot on it. And he thought to himself, why would somebody give me a shirt that has a burn on it? I think when we give to God, we ought to give our best. And that's what God was asking for when God said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul. I wasn't there, but I, I just have to believe from this passage and other missionaries that I've known in my life that the Matthews were probably the best at Harvest Baptist, Smoky Mountain Baptist, that the Zerillas were probably the best at Plantation Baptist, that Lynette was probably the best at Westwood Baptist Church. And the Holy Spirit of God says, look, this is a sacrifice here we are in a missions conference and God by his spirit is speaking to you and you think, Pastor, I, I can't give that. That's why it's called a sacrifice. And the Bible tells us here that the Holy Spirit of God is asking for our best. I think about the father of modern day missions, William Carey, and how Carey went through so many things and later on in his life, Carey actually attributes his success as a missionary to the prayers of his sister. He says, that's the reason God used my life was because my sister sacrificed time on her knees before God. See, when I think about the calling of missionaries, it's a, it was a sanctified time. It was a sacrificial time. It was in a speaking time. Look at verse number two. The Bible says, and as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Think about this. I mean, I, when I look at that, to me, it's very clear. Look here. Who's doing the speaking? The missionaries? God is. You know what they were doing? They were listening. And I'm praying that today and yesterday and Friday night that God has been speaking to you and that you're listening to God as he's speaking. This was a speaking time. And when I think about us today in this missions conference, how many of you believe that God still speaks through his word. Amen. I love this verse, 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. The Bible says it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Hey, look, not only does God speak through his word, but God speaks through his spirit. The Bible says in John 16.13, how be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come. He will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, 
but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. How many of you want the Spirit of God to speak to your heart? Every one of us ought to say, God, by your Spirit, speak to me through your word, through your Spirit. See, when I look at this passage here this morning, that's all that really matters is hearing from God. God, what do you want regarding missions, regarding the laws? You and I, we need to hear the voice of God. I'm not talking in an audible sense, but we ought to hear what God has to say to us and be a part of the work of God. And as I look at this time, that it was a sacrificial time, but it was a speaking time where the Holy Ghost said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul. God was calling these men because they were spiritual men. They were in tune with God. The Bible says that God was calling them out. I love what somebody said. Missions is not the sideline of the church. Missions is the front line of the church. It's the heart of God. What? That the world may know Jesus. What did David say when he went out to take on that giant of a man by the name of Goliath? He says, look, I'm going to take you out that all the earth may know that there's a God in heaven. People need to know the Lord is their Savior. And I really believe the Holy Spirit is still speaking. But the question this morning is, will you listen to what he has to say to you? Will you consider sacrificing? Pastor, why should I? So the lost can be saved. There are people that are dying in their sins and God wants to use Bible Baptist Church to further his work around the world. Well, how does he do that? In the context of missions, through the church, a local church, a loving church, through calling of missionaries, that missionaries are called, they are set aside, sanctified. It's a sacrificial time by churches as they send forth missionaries. It's a time when God is speaking to them. And once God calls the missionaries, then we see the commencement of missions. How did missions get going? And why do we do it the way we do it today? Because when we look at it, what was Paul and Barnabas and those that followed them? They were really true church planting missionaries. You look at the maps, you study the word of God, what do you find? That in all those cities that Paul and Barnabas went to, where there was no church, When God had used them and they moved on, there was then a church. There was a body of believers. Churches were established. Well, how did that happen? Well, look at verse number three. And when they, this is the church in Antioch, when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So how? Did missions get going? It began with prayer. Prayer. I mean, you look at this. It says fasting and prayer. Now, what is fasting? We've had seasons here at our church, and maybe in your life, you have practiced fasting as a believer. Somebody said fasting is bringing prayer to its fullest development. See, fasting is saying that more than food and more than things for myself, more than any of that, I want God's will. And when I look at how the Bible says that the church was fasting and the church was praying, you know what that tells me? They were serious about this. This wasn't something they were dabbling in. The Bible says they were fasting and praying. They were serious about the work of God. They were serious about the will of God. And the Bible says, look at this in verse number three, that when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them. Now the laying on of hands 
listen, doesn't impart power. You know why? Because man lays hands on. I remember when I was ordained, and recently I had a privilege to be a part of an ordination of a man that's going to be starting and pastoring a church all the way down in Key West. Praise God. Key West needs the gospel. But as men, we just laid our hands on them. Now here you find the context of missions here, that the missions began with prayer. And the Bible says when they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them. The calling, listen to me, the calling and the prayer, it does not come from man, it comes from the Holy Spirit of God. And as we look at this laying on of hands, why do it then? Because it was the church, in this passage, the church in Antioch, it was the church agreeing with God and then to pray with God for those missionaries as they were being sent forth by the Holy Spirit of God. And so it began with prayer. But this is where it comes to us. Is not only should we pray, but we need to participate. See, we could say, well, man, that was great for the church in Antioch. What about us? Well, pastor, we already support 62 missionaries. How much do you expect out of us? I don't expect anything out of you. But what is God by his spirit saying to us? I know one thing. There are still many out there that have never heard the truth. Many don't know the love of God. And without someone, they'll never hear it. See, we've got to be willing to participate. Look at verse 3 again. It says that when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on him, they agreed that this was God's doing. They sent them away. The church in Antioch, they had to participate for those men, Barnabas and Saul, that they could go to the next city with the gospel. And you and I, we need to participate. We need to get behind what God is doing And you think, well, listen, by whose authority is missions actually done? I mean, how does the church have the the authority to send them away? Well, you study the Word of God. God actually gives His power, His authority to send those away. They were called by the Holy Spirit, but they were being sent out of New Testament churches, Bible-believing churches. Look, as missionaries go out, and I understand, we were talking with the Matthews, and and I'm sure uh, Brother Nick and and maybe even Miss Lynette, I realize the day and maybe the place, the field that God sends them to, it, they, may, they may have to do a few things to get into certain countries or to be able to minister to so, certain people. But listen, the ultimate goal of a missionary is not to go somewhere and plant crops. It's to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, you have to understand why they go. Having a missions conference, giving to missions... You know what it is? It is actually touching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look in Romans chapter 10 there in your notes. I love verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Isn't that a beautiful verse? If you're here today and you don't know the Lord as your Savior, the Bible says that if you would just call out to him, acknowledge that you're a sinner, that Christ has already died for your sin. And you can believe on Him and trust Him as your Savior. But look at the next verse. How then shall they call on Him 
in whom they have not believed, and how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? It's a valid question, right? I, I was 20 before I got saved. Unless somebody tells him about the Lord. Look at the next verse. And how shall they preach except they be what? Sent. Somebody's got to send them. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Now look, don't ask the missionaries to take their shoes off so you can see their beautiful feet. That's not what God's saying. God's saying the reason they're beautiful is because they're going to be doing my bidding. They're going out to people in Vietnam and South Africa and Japan. But think about this. If they don't go, if somebody doesn't send them, those people will never hear. They'll never be saved. The preacher can't preach unless he's sent. And churches are the ones that send missionaries. We see that right here in Acts 13, how, how that it was the church in Antioch that sent out these missionaries. God wants us, Bible Baptist Church, to be in the sending business. We need to send missionaries, yes, with our prayers. But watch this. We need to send them with our participation. Get involved. Participate. That's what the stewardship commitment cards are about. Faith, promise, missions, giving. Paul said here about the church in Philippi, he says, not because I desire a gift. Look, these missionaries, uh, they are here, and yes, I've asked them because I want you to know how much is that, that as far as humanly speaking, and we realize that with God all things are possible, but understanding how much it's going to take to live in Japan and minister in Japan and how much it's going to take to minister in South Africa and Vietnam. But, but look, Paul says, look, I, he says, it's not because I desire a gift. He says, I'm not here for your money. But notice this. He says, I do desire fruit that may abound to your account. You know what these missionaries want? They want you to get in on it. Why? Because that's what God wants for us. Listen, only heaven someday will expose and reveal to us the full magnitude of our missions, giving to the lost. Our missionaries, I think about each one of them, they're not here asking for themselves. I haven't heard them say at all, hey, listen, I need this and give me this and give me that. They're seeking our support. Why? They're doing it on behalf of lost people. And when somebody is saved in Vietnam and somebody is saved in South Africa and somebody is saved in Japan, that is spiritual fruit that abounds to your account. Treasures laid up in heaven. Giving to missions allows us to be a part of the work of God. Look at Philippians chapter 4, the next verse, verse 18. Paul says, but I, I have all and abound. Paul says, I'm full having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you. On a monthly basis, we send our support checks. Where do those funds come from? From the faith giving of our people. We send those checks to our missionaries, all 62 of them. And Paul says, look here, in his day, he, he didn't receive his through mail. He received it from Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you. And notice how he describes 
what they sent to him. It's an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable and well-pleasing to God. When the church, when Bible Baptist Church and other churches send gifts to the missionaries, God is saying that the sacrifice you just sent to them is a sweet sacrifice to me. It touches the heart of God. When God calls a missionary, God calls the best. And when we give to those missionaries, what do we need to do? We need to give our best instead of a shirt with a burn hole in it. Give of your best to the master. And we have a privilege, and really honestly, it's a joy to give to missions. Reaching the world with the gospel. Well, what do we need to do? Well, look, at we need to first of all be willing to go. Say, Pastor, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't mind praying. I don't mind giving. Now you're asking me to go? Well, you ought to be willing to go. Now, some in this conference, maybe God's going to start, or maybe already has started tugging on your heart to go to the mission field. The Bible tells us that he said unto his disciples, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I read a true account about a man by the name of George Stott, if I'm saying his name correctly. George Stott was a school teacher. Something interesting about George was he only had one leg. He lived in Scotland. He came to Hudson Taylor one day, and he said to Hudson Taylor, he says, look, I just, I want to come to you, and I want to volunteer for missionary service in China. And Taylor looked at him, and he asked him, he said, well, you know, I, he says, I'm not saying you can't. He says, but I, I noticed that you really only have one leg. He kind of had a wooden uh, stump that he kind of drug around. He tried to walk on as best as he could. What makes you think that you could go to China and be a missionary? And, and George looked at Hudson Taylor and he said this. He says, well, I, I, I do not see those with two legs going, so I must. And you know, when you, when you read his account of his life, that was the beginning of more than 20 years of missionary work by a one-legged man in China. See, we must be willing to go and... Look, God may not call us to go to a mission field, but secondly, we must be willing to send. This week and even today, we've emphasized prayer. We've emphasized giving. Well, why do we do that? So that we can at least send those who are willing to go. Send those that are willing to go. I love the study of William Carey's life. And William Carey said to one of his pastor friends, Here's what he said, this was on his heart, this is what he really was thinking about as he was getting ready to go to the field. He says, I am going down into the pit. He says, you hold on to the ropes. They that hold the ropes and the daring miner that swings away down in the darkness are one in work, maybe one in the motive, and if they are, they shall be one in the reward. God sends some, but God doesn't send everyone. But listen, we need to be willing to send, we need to be willing to hold the rope and I don't know about you, but you think about these missionaries and where they're going and what God's called them to do. How many of you, while they're there, are going to pray for them? And how many of you are going to continue to support them and to hold on to the rope while they do what God's called them to do? That's what Carrie was saying to one of his pastor friends as God was sending him out. See, some must be willing to go and some must sin. But notice, we all must expect God to bless our faith in him. William Carey, I love this quote. He lived this quote in his life. He said, expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. Carrie had a great God. 
Carrie was raised in obscurity in rural England. Carrie apprenticed in a cobbler's shop, later on became a cobbler, a shoemaker. But while he was in that shop, he was converted to the Lord Jesus Christ, and he took up the faith. His life at times was very hard. His family struggled financially. They sank into poverty. He became impressed. As time went on, the faith that he had in the Lord, he was impressed with the early Moravian missionaries and the work that they had, and he became became very bothered by the lack of missions emphasis by his fellow Protestants. He began to argue that Jesus' great commission applied to all Christians of all times. And to that I say amen. He began to state things like this. He said one day, multitudes sit at ease and give themselves no concern about the far greater part of their fellow sinners who to this day are lost in ignorance and idolatry. Do you know that with a heart like that and a willingness like that to do what God had called him to do, that William Carey, within one year, including his three boys and a child on the way, were on a ship heading to China. Excuse me, India. After seven years, seven years on the mission field, all the labor that he had done for the Lord, after seven years, Carey finally baptized his first convert. People think, wow, what a waste. After he baptized his first convert, two months later, he published his first Bengali New Testament. Very difficult language. He continued in his life to expect great things from God over the next 28 years. Those that had joined up with Carey, he and his team, they translated, listen to this, the entire Bible into India's major languages, plural, as well as parts of 209 other languages. What a work. He founded a Bible college for the Indian people. By the way, that college still exists to this day. By the time that he passed away from this world and went home to be with the Lord, he had spent 41 years in India without one furlough. Never came back to the States. 41 years he labored for the Lord before God called him home. And the record of his mission was, they say, 700 converts in a nation of millions. Now they say that's a very humble estimate that there were probably many, many, many more that were led to Christ during his ministry. His greatest legacy, think about this, was the missionary movement of Cary that inspired probably is inspiring some of the missionaries that are with us here in this conference. His movement, what God had called him to do, to expect great things from God. It inspired other missionaries, maybe some of these we might have heard by the name of Adniram Judson, Hudson Taylor, David Livingston. Their lives were touched by the missionary efforts of William Carey. You know, the sad thing is today, most people don't even know who William Carey is. They don't have a clue what David Livingston did for Christ. Some of these great missionaries, yes, they're missionaries of days gone by, but we ought to make sure that we understand the sacrifice, the sanctified time, how God was speaking and calling them out of churches just like us 
carries effort. And this is where it all began. Where? In a church. And it all began with a call. I mean, he was reached in that cobbler shop, but it was through the efforts of the church at that time to reach him. And people were praying for Carrie. Imagine, can you imagine? I said this to the missionaries on Friday. Can you imagine the spiritual fruit of those that supported Carrie's work? Wow. But can I tell you, it wasn't about Carrie. It was about Carrie's God. It was about what the Lord can do. And if you're like me, I still believe that God is able. That God can still and still wants to save the lost. There are still untold millions without a gospel witness. And you see the picture there and, and these words by another great missionary, Robert Moffat, who said, I have seen at different times the smoke of a thousand villages, villages whose people are without Christ, without God, and without hope in the world. What you and I today, listen Bible Baptist. What we need to say today is, God, if that's how you did it, that's how I want to do it. This is the pattern that you've given to us. This is the plan of God. And I want to follow God's plan. That's why we do missions the way we do it. And the Bible tells us in Hebrews 11, without faith, it's impossible to please God. You and I must have faith. Why? Because we see God's plan right here in the Word of God. All we have to do is follow that plan. Would you bow your heads with me this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed on this Sunday morning if you're joining us by way of live stream. I know I can't ask much of you, but would you please, for the Lord's sake at home, be very still during this time. Treat your home, your living room, wherever you may be, just like you're in the house of God. The Bible says where two or three are gathered together in his name, he's promised to be there with us. You think about missions. Just a minute, we're going we're gonna to cast our ballot, take our time to vote for missions. Do you know it's, it's either a yes or a no? You're either going to say, I want to be a part of it, or by you not saying you want to be a part of it, you're really saying I don't want to be a part of it. I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of what is on the heart of God. And the context of it is it began in the church. Just a local church like Bible Baptist Church. It was a loving church. Love people from all walks of life, all backgrounds. God called from that church. Said, separate me. Barnabas and Saul. Is God by His Spirit speaking to your heart today? Maybe God's calling some of you to go. And if God's not speaking you to go, maybe God's saying to you, I want you to send. And what we can do is sit back and look at what God can do. God doesn't need us, but God wants to bless us. Remember, he desires that we would have spiritual fruit. Would you stand with me this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed? The altar's open this morning. The song is already playing. Here am I, Lord. Send me. Why don't you come this morning? Spend some time with the Lord.
I'm not asking you to ask God to send you to Vietnam. But would you be willing to give so that the Matthews can go? Would you be willing to give so the Zarellas can go? See, it begins with prayer and participation. Don't look at your neighbor. Listen, if, if you're a husband and wife, you ought to take your wife or take your husband. Arm in arm, come to the Lord and say, Lord, what would you have us to do as a family this year for missions? I want to be a part of this. It's exciting to see what God's going to do. It's a wonderful thing to say we were a part of that. People got saved this year on the field because we gave. If you know the song, sing it with Brother Kenny. Thank you for this opportunity that we've had to be reminded from the Word of God about missions and why we have missions and your plan to reach this world. Numerically, it seems impossible, but we know that if every Christian would just be a witness, it is possible to reach the world before it's eternally too late. I pray as we're getting ready to receive these commitments, that God, your will would be done and that every one of us as your children would be involved in it. Not because of being pressured, but because it's what's your heart for us as your people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.